0: It's the Breaking Barriers podcast brought to you by Say Yes Buffalo, the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable, and the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo. Here's your host, Daniel Robertson. I know you're going to dig this. Hello and welcome to the Breaking Barriers podcast. I am your host, Daniel Robertson. Uh, It's a beautiful, sunny day out. I have the great honor and pleasure, and I truly mean great honor, to be uh, in the presence of A very uh, wonderful young man that's making moves in the city of Buffalo and I've known him since, wow, we were in grad school, even prior to grad school. We both started together at CAO back in 2011. Uh, His name is Gary Damon Jr. Many of you may know Gary. Uh, Gary has worked in a number of different arenas within the city of Buffalo and touched the lives of many, many young people and the hearts of many, many adults. Uh, so we're going to kind of get started today. And so, uh, Gary, friend of mine, why don't you kind of start by giving everyone just a little bit of your background and the parts that you don't mention.
1: I'm going to make sure I fill in. <laughs> uh, well, I guess you mentioned everything already. So I guess interview over. Um, so my background is in English education. I started off in the public schools in Buffalo. I started teaching at the alternative school, grade eight and nine. Moved to Philadelphia, and then I was working it with a um A particular program that focused with young people that were dropped back in so basically working with the drop back in population led me back home to buffalo so that i can obtain my master's degree where i did meet you daniel um the same day i started school was the same day you applied and sent everything and you were what accepted and we started is that how that happened yeah So since then, I've just been unapologetically youth oriented, working with young people from diverse backgrounds, social economic statuses, sexual orientations, uh, race, uh, religion. Um, I really appreciate the efforts that we try to do to instill in the young people, which is why I've worked in schools, government settings, for profit, nonprofit, all the way to China internationally. And most recently, I'm working in workforce development with the reentry population, supporting the men and women that were recently uh, released from prison find gainful employment. So I guess that's a little bit about me.
0: That was the real quick minute version Well, how long is this interview? For as long as it needs <laughs> to go um, You actually uh, you brought up a very important point In regards to just education You actually left out the fact that you went to NU Before our master's program um, But I just want to actually bring up the fact that You talked about how uh, we wound up going to a die together And mm-hmm. uh, many people don't know this But you were actually the reason I actually wound up going to grad school while when, I, when I started Because It had been on my mind since, what, I graduated from UB in 06, and what, six, seven years later, Mm -hmm. I decided to enroll enroll at Madai, and it was literally the last day that you could apply, and it was just like, hey, Daniel, you should do this, and and I went, filled out the paperwork, like you said, dropped it down at Madai, and next thing you know, we were rolling. Um, and then we were blessed to find Nicole, and we uh, ran through our master's program together, in organizational leadership. So this is true. Uh, I owe you a lot for that. Well, I appreciate that. I do accept donations. Um, you're right, <laughs> 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 Gary. As you know, um, we launched our le- our youth leadership council, breaking barriers earlier mm-hmm. this year, and our young men are looking at different policies and systems that tend to negatively impact young men of color. And I know a lot of the population that you work with here at CEO uh, are young men of color. So can you just talk a little bit about the work um, that you're doing and your
1: organization, doing that your organization is doing your staff? Sure. Um, CEO is a national nonprofit organization. Uh, CEO stands for Center for Employment Opportunities. We've been working with uh, men and women with various backgrounds for over 30 years. Uh, CEO Buffalo is the first opening expanded site in 2009. And what we do is we provide immediate, effective and comprehensive employment services to people with recent criminal convictions. And it's a a four step model that we use Uh, and it's also a theory of change because when you start from the beginning and you work your way through things, it further supports uh, the comprehensive nature of the work that uh, we're expected to do and the outcomes that we're expected to achieve. Uh, We work with people from uh, that have been in prison for 15 years, 15 days, uh, 25 years. We had a, a person that was here for 40 that was in prison for 46 years and we were able to find him and secure him successful employment. So the work that we do here definitely impacts the entire community, impacts the family and impacts the individual. And we really try to provide premium customer service because technically they are our customer and we want to make sure that we give them everything that they have and everything that they need relative to employment. So
0: Garrett, you brought up a very important part and you do a lot of work in regards to that re-entry population. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the policy targets of our Boys and Men of Color initiative that uh, basically spans from uh, cradle to career and mm-hmm. includes that population. So, can you kind of just walk us through um, the the mindset of someone that's been incarcerated and then trying to make that uh, re reentry and that
1: adjustment back into sure. just general population? Sure. So you ask a really good question because most people have uh, uh, elementary knowledge about it, and I personally have it as well. But we're constantly trying to grow and expand our knowledge base and our intentions to support the population so when we say we're immediate when they go through our five-day orientation where we teach them soft skills and we teach them how to make this uh, solve decisions or make decisions solve problems we support them with the social skills once they gain those skills and their principles about working uh, we then put them in our transitional work crew. So immediately, Daniel, after they uh, go and graduate from our program, they're placed on our work sites. They work with places like the city of Buffalo, Olmstead Parks, and we pay them every day. That's one of the barriers, because when you return home, the first thing you need is what? M-O-N-E-Y. You need money. You need and we need to make sure that they don't go back to what they once loved and what they once felt. So we try to provide that money aspect right away it's that gratitude that they appreciate the money, but they also appreciate the work, which leads us to the next step. And as working with our job coach, we consider ourselves to be in the barrier breaking business similar to you, but our barriers that we're breaking are those things that will block them from finding jobs, childcare, uh, transportation, housing, um, different things like that. So we have staff members that are very dedicated to support them. Once we've reduced or eliminated some of those barriers, we then move them to our job developer. Uh, we our fiscal year is from July 1 through June 30th. And out of the hundred and sixty six people graduated, I'm happy to report that one hundred and twenty eight uh, were successfully or have been successfully placed and employed. That's amazing, um, man. Yeah. Thank you. And it's the work that our staff does. Um, and then after they find a job and great leadership, I presume. And finally, they are a part of our retention services. Uh, they're with us for one full year after they've been successfully placed, and we provide a bank account for each individual $590 that we offer them monthly. Can you provide uh, me
0: with a bank account?
1: You have several. We can't do that. Come on. <laughs> no, no. So the bank account has a maximum of $590, and they earn as they earn cash on their job. We give them money. We want them to save money. We want them to be good stewards over what they have and also to give back to their children or other family members that bless them while they're away. So you asked the question um, regarding reentry and how that looks and how it, we help reintegrate people back into the system. That's one of the many ways that we do that. And um, CEO, as our tagline says, CEO works. And you over here working, that's for sure. Every day. So, Gary, um,
0: I know you, you've had several stops and in- in your uh, story career here. um, That's just really, I I feel like it started a while ago, Mm -hmm. but um, you definitely haven't reached your ceiling yet. So uh, how'd you end up at CEO?
1: Um, That's an excellent question. Honestly, I can't answer that. But what I can say is all of the experiences that I had um, led me here. Uh, While I worked at the county as deputy commissioner, I worked in reentry and worked with the young people In the youth detention center and the non secure detention center uh, worked with young people with the alternative to incarceration. So giving them other opportunities aside from doing wrong by giving them different other platforms to move forward. Um, And then after that ended. I asked myself what did I need to do next and it led me to go to China. Um, I would highly encourage and somewhat discourage people to just move <laughs> across the world and not have anything else uh, besides the clothes that you have in your house. But uh, I'm grateful for that experience and while in China I had an epiphany that I wanted to come back and support the people in my community and CEO had a position and I believe Detroit so I applied and they quickly moved it from Detroit to New York and then. I went through several interviews and that landed me here so i started in january of 17 and we have truly been one of the top performing sites across the state and dare i say across the nation because we do have over 19 offices in nine different states and i do believe the work that we do in buffalo is uh, uncharted territory
0: wow gary i'm amazed at all the work that you're doing and just Uh, seeing you grow over the years and all the accomplishments that that you've had what was it for you that kind of got you on a path to utilizing education as your vehicle and your avenue um, to you know create create a life for yourself
1: um I would say it goes back uh, several years Um, my father he was incarcerated much of my life Um, so he was a very good parent while he was there but when he was away he couldn't parent So my mother tried her best to parent a young aspiring African-American male that had a mouth that would um, argue against everything that she would stand for. And it wasn't to be um, demeaning or belittled, but it was because I was curious about life. I wanted to know what else was in life aside from living in projects and living in ghettos and living uh, check the check and praying that God will bless you to pay your next bill. So I question what is the best way. And I know CEO with the education task force they have, um, their tagline is uh, education, education is the surest way out of poverty. And I felt that that's what I needed to do. So I went back and I got my degree in education because I wanted to go teach young minds. And then I said I wanted to become a policymaker. So I had to build myself up so that eventually I can become a policymaker and be the policy holder to ensure that the young people we work with do not end up where I worked at detention do not end up here where I work at CEO because that's not the end there's more to life than what we see and that's why we have to be the people to be change leaders similar to what you've done Daniel you've worked in um, many different settings you've worked at CAO and Head Start and you worked with Young Minds and then you worked at the daycare at UB you worked with Baby Minds then you worked uh, with young people and now you're working with all ages uh, per targeted of uh, the targeted population are young men of color. So, you know, all too well as well, because you grew up in a single parent home. So you can understand why I have that type of sentiment. So I you. put you on the spot. Thank you, you for thank providing
0: you? Uh, my autobiography. <laughs> I appreciate you for that. Uh, you brought up a point that I want to kind of hit on in regards sure. to those young minds and shaping those young minds. Seeing the the conditions that uh, young young men, especially are growing up in today, especially young men of color. Mm -hmm. What is it going to take to kind of I don't want to necessarily say change the mindset of young men, but I'm going to say change the mindset of young men because Mm -hmm. um, we're in a time period where a lot of us that work with young people are very concerned about the direction and the trajectory um, in the past that they're taking So in your opinion from Based on what you've seen and your experiences What is it going to take to uh, Keep our young men kind of moving forward
1: I think leadership um, We have a lot of great leaders in our community And I think sometimes leaders are timid Because of the political and murky waters That we're in But we need change leaders, transformational leaders To give us the right footing To offer support to them Uh, We have people that can be leaders that can change the way that we look at things, the way that we handle things. But we have some timid leaders. Uh, We have to truly make the difference by being a leader and being effective and being transformational. And I think that that's one of the first steps. The second step is you have to go out into the community and talk to them. Um, I live on the west side of Buffalo. I talk to the people in my community all of the time. They see me leave out in the morning to go to work. They see me come in uh, at the end of the day from work and they learn that it, it takes work to be work. And I share a story with you a couple of weeks ago. One of the um, uh, unknown drug dealers on my street, I said, where have you been? And his response was, I've been on vacation. And I said, OK, uh, where <laughs> did you go? And I said, his vacation has two connotations because my father was on vacation for 15 years (laughs) so was it that vacation and his response was no i was at home with my daughter um she's two years old and i said that is a good vacation and he said he needed to reflect on life and i think sometimes we don't reflect on what life has to offer to us and we need to go away and take a perspective on how we need to see life differently so i think that uh, leadership uh, being a change agent in your community and just being an example so other people can see the work that you do. Was that a good answer?
0: That was a great answer. Oh, okay. That was a great response. And I actually I want to uh, I want to play on a lot of what you just said. Okay. Um and I think the first area I'm going to go into is the fact that you mentioned that you are in your community. Yes. And this is a conversation that i've had with my mentor several times especially right now because i'm in the process of looking for a home and yes. purchasing a home right and one of the discussions that we had was uh he said daniel where do you want to live and i said of course i want to stay in the city because when the taxes are cheaper but they might be going up now
1: and your daughter can be a part of say yes
0: and my, bo- and my daughter <laughs> and my daughter can benefit from say yes right um but then on the flip side you and i know that um, growing up in some of the conditions and neighborhoods that we grew up in that as a young man that's uh, a young man of color that's yes. driven and has drive and goals and aspirations and things of that such that you kind of get this idea in your head that you want that the white picket fence yes. and you want to live with that nice green lawn yes. and a big house that's you typically will not find in the city of buffalo right yes but the conversation we had was that when you when when a man of color leaves the community that he grew, grew up in he leaves a void that's correct i agree um so the fact that you mentioned that you being in a community and then talking to those young men that are in your neighborhood is huge because that i believe that's one of the missing pieces in why our young men are struggling and why we have initiatives like mbk and boys and men of color and programs like ceo because our young men wind up falling through the cracks and going through the systems and then when they gotta come come home and get reacclimated, we need something in place for them Uh Um, and it just kind of talk a little more about the conversation myself and my mentor had it goes even deeper than if our young men if our if we don't have the examples of men in our neighborhoods and communities and places where we live and we don't see them Where's the next place That we're That we're gonna go And spend the bulk of our time mm-hmm. Jail That was a question
1: Jail uh, No Oh you're asking me Yeah the, Where What's the question Cause <laughs> I thought You were on a roll So I was keeping up I know but I was trying To bring you into the
0: roll <laughs> so, What was the so question So we can roll again? together So I'm thinking from From the from the, from the womb Right yes. So Grow up yes. Right Five years old You start to If you don't have your male If you don't have your dad In your home Yes And then you're going to school School is the next Is the place where we spend The bulk of our time now And I don't know You've noticed And I'm I'm sure you have But I've noticed that When you go into A lot, a lot of the schools You don't see a lot of male Figures mm-hmm. Male role, role models And then when you talk about Men of color They're almost absent
1: I agree. Can I uh, share something? What you're talking about is very important and it's more than just the notion. You have to be able to speak about it, talk about it and know what you're saying. And I say that because in our school systems today, you have many educated people that are uneducated within the community and they lack diversity. So one of the things we have to work on is building diversity and the way you build diversity is teaching people. Um, And I don't mean that all um, races. uh, What what I'm trying to say is, given that we are black people or people of color, we all have racism within us and discrimination within us because some African-Americans do live in uh, Amherst and other parts of the community because they want to get away from where they used to live. But when you do that, like you shared, you're leaving a void and there's people that can't see you. Given that there might be people that don't look like us in most of the schools that our children go to, then they need to see us in a community still being a positive role model. You talked about a white picket fence. I do have a white picket fence. You talked about a big house. I do have a big house. Um, I don't have a driveway, but I have a big house and I park on the street, but that's a different story. But I have everything that you want. And at the very end of the day, we have to be the story. Um, They talk about in church that... Um, we are the only Bible that some people will read and see and we have to go into the community and take that up we are the only story the only successful story that a lot of people will see so why not go back and tell your story and reach out and touch
0: yes I'm touched we all are just a little (laughs) I'll tell you ladies and gentlemen if you've never had the opportunity to to actually sit and listen to Gary present or speak it is a real treat Mm -hmm. and you should just sit back and grab a a bag of popcorn because you would be in uh enamored with a with a show
1: that's for sure <laughs> i guess thanks mm-hmm. but
0: uh back to the conversation at hand um gary you talked about leadership yes um we went through our leadership program together and i know it's one of the pillars of what gary Dar- what gary damon stands on gary damon jr stands on um just why is leadership so important to you uh
1: my pastor, former pastor, said to me at the age of 16, when I first became an ordained deacon, he said, in order to lead, you must first learn how to follow. And when he told me that, I had no idea what it meant, because I believed that um, I was made to lead and I would often tell other people what to do. Um, And I had to hone in on those skills because in order to tell someone what to do, that doesn't mean that they're going to follow you. So it took quite some time to gain the understanding of what leadership meant and how it looked. Um, So I appreciate that in him for teaching me that um, leadership requires a lot of uh, skills, It requires a lot of deliverables, performance measures, it requires you to, as they say, to shake hands and kiss babies, because at the very end of the day, when you're giving people the uh, your word, you have to give them your word. You can't say you're going to do one thing and try something different. And I, most people will know me that um, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, they also will know me that if you um, talk with me. You'll leave at the very end of it uh, more energized or more confused. And I say more confused because I'll say certain things that you're wondering, like, what is he talking about? And that is uh, there's a a ploy with that, because at least you're thinking about the conversation, because either you're going to accept it or you're going to come back and ask for further clarity. And when you ask for further clarity, that then gives us the opportunity to have dialogue about what we spoke on before. And we all both walk away with action steps. So. That's what I think leadership is. Um, all of us have a little leader in us—not um, L I T E R, but L E A D E R. <laughs> we have a little bit of leader in us, and we have to make sure we make the right steps to um, give people what we need. You know,
0: I can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> I is, wanted to be clear. Yeah, you very clear, Crystal. <laughs> got it. Um, you made reference to your former pastor. Yes, and I'm sure you viewed him as. Uh, a mentor yes and i know you currently still have mentors and knowing you you probably have an advisory board of mentors (laughs) a number of people that you go to for a number of different things that will give you some guidance advice and, and support and um feed that brain of yours that's always hungry yes very much um last week we had the pleasure of sitting with dr marvin wilson over at suny erie Formerly known as ECC, Mm -hmm. and he mentioned that he is actually your mentor. That's correct, one of them at least. Yes. Talk about what the the importance of that relationship you have with uh, Dr. Wilson.
1: Absolutely, Uh, Dr. Wilson. I met him back in 2013 when I started for my doctor went to school for my doctorate in transformational leadership, and I needed a, a, a mentor, an executive mentor. And I met Dr. Wilson. He was uh, facilitating a workshop on the uh, recidivism, the low recidivism rate of African-American young men. Hold on, and back college. up,
0: because I need you to just real quick, just define what you just said, what that is, because I'm sure some people have never even heard that term
1: before. So recidivism rate is the, uh, the way that people return back. So you want to have a higher degree of people returning back to something. So he was the uh, dean of student services at Bryan and Stratton and the recidivism rate was extremely low of African-American males returning back to school each day or each semester. Uh, So I was very enthralled by his presentation because numbers matter Um, and there's a saying that says, if you can't manage it, then you can't measure it. Um, And sometimes when you can't measure something, you don't know why. So you have to dig deeper and understand the story behind the curve. Um, So once I met Dr. Wilson. I continue to work with him because he really has the insight and the awareness of what's required because his dissertation focused on mentoring so if you look over back there you're going to see a black book and that's his book on mentoring that i'm actually using um to help uh, guide my dissertation currently so dr wilson spoke on uh mentoring and he told me that leadership equals communication plus accountability if you're not communicating you're not accountable then you're not leading and ever since that he shared that equation he really uh, just continued to instill knowledge in me so
0: now how did that mentoring relationship actually manifest itself so, did you actually approach him and ask him to be your mentor or did it just kind of happen organically i know i wasn't formally in a program so uh how was that initiated
1: both of what you shared it was me asking him and then it was also uh organic conversation because i left uh saint john fisher in 2014 um so i took a leave of absence from school but let's be clear i'm back in school (laughs) and i am at the all but dissertation phase so i have less than a year to be uh uh with the honorary not the honorary the what do you call it i don't know you lost me Mm. (laughs) hmm. Uh, it's called the earned doctorate not honorary it's okay it's friday afternoon it is (laughs) so um it was both organically and naturally i asked if we can have a dialogue about his uh, research and then after we talked about that i asked if he will be my uh, mentor uh, for the duration of the program and he said absolutely and what is it five six five years later he's still my mentor and i still contact him ask him questions We go out for coffee once a month. We have a meeting in a couple of weeks to just talk about where we are uh, with life personally, professionally, socially, academically. Um, And he's just a great person. He doesn't pressure me, but he has a high standard. And because he has that high standard, I have to help make sure that I'm not only within arm's reach of that standard because if I'm not, he'll let me know. And I appreciate that about him because there's a lot of people that won't tell you when you're doing something wrong, uh, right? Or wrong So he does both And that's what I can appreciate About that mentorship
0: Great You mentioned your doctorate Yes I don't hear a lot of young brothers Especially men of color Talking about going to get
1: doctorates Uh, What was the drive Behind you For wanting to pursue one And before I answer It's not because I want people To call me Dr. Damon That's not the answer That um, people I want them to walk away with Because that's what Most people think Uh, First and foremost My great grandmother She passed away Last July Um, She would always call me Dr. Damon ever since I was a young man. And I didn't understand why. Um, And I wish that I feel like I'm going to tear up because I wish that she was here to see me walk across the stage. She was there at our um, master's program. Yeah. So she used to call me Dr. Damon. and, And I just really took a liking to at learning, like you said, to feed my brain. I just love learning. So that's ultimately why I'm in school is so that I can continue to learn, to educate myself and the people around me so that we all can be a little bit smarter. It takes everybody to uh, raise a child. It takes everybody to raise an adult. And as adults, we have to constantly be on. There is never a time an adult can be off, especially a young black man. I can never be off. I have to always be on and play the part. And I play the part. And what I mean by that is I have to always showcase that there are educated black people. Um, right now, my dissertation is focusing on the underrepresentation of people of color nonprofit leadership and the conceptual framework focuses on uh, nurturing mentor relationships with the emphasis of bridge leadership and Daniel bridge leadership is working, uh, you have a non minority uh, mentoring a minority. And that bridge leadership effect happens because there's a lot of time that we can't tap into things because of our color of our skin and because we're men. So you have to have people around you that can help propel you to that next step. So that bridge leadership is a new concept that's been here within the last 10 to 15 years. But that's something that we have to do more of and stop uh, pushing one another down and try to build others up. And that's what I was speaking on earlier about transformational leadership and talking about there's leaders in power that can make changes and they have to do more than what they're doing um, because we all can do a little bit more. So, my great grandmother, she's the one to help me get here.
0: She is, and she was a wonderful young, wonderful young, vibrant lady. That's Absolutely. For sure. You mentioned we always have to be on, mm-hmm. and I find that very interesting because when I when I hear you say that i automatically think about the fact that so often we have to code switch. Yes. Um, and also how we're also in a place, in a place of advantage sometimes. Yes. Cause there are oftentimes when there's some spaces that other people can't, other people can't go into that we can't go into. So I say that because I was having a conversation with uh, my mentor and we, It was a very kind of open and candid And honest conversation and he said Something to me that resonated and he said You have to always remember that you have a unique Advantage you can play both sides of the fence Mm -hmm. So what is the What is the challenge for you With always having to be on Because I know It's it's very tiresome to always feel Like you have to be on yes, And you feel like you can't ever slip Mm -hmm. So talk about how that Resonates with you
1: So what I mean by always being on Um being educated, you have to always sound educated because at the moment that you slip someone's gonna tell you about it. It can be black, Caucasian, uh, someone that's of Asian descent. Um, and I say that because in each of those experiences I talked about earlier in government and for-profit, nonprofit, international schools, those moments that I were off, um, people told me about it. So I have to constantly be aware of the way I speak, my tone, my behavior, Um, When I'm driving down the street in my vehicle, uh, when I'm at the grocery store, I'm on the phone. I have to always be on because you never know who's on the other side that's listening because people uh, listen to your words. And as we learned, words matter. Um, While I agree with your mentor, I do believe that playing on both sides of the fence, you can become bipolar. And I mean, bipolar, not by mental, a mental illness, but bipolar, because sometimes when you're on and you're then off and people don't know which way to take you. So I try to be the same way everywhere I go when I'm in church, when I'm at home, when I go to the grocery store, I don't play sports, but if I was at a sporting event, I would do the same thing Um, and I do that because I want people to know that I'm genuine and I'm not saying that people that play both sides of the fence are not genuine, but that's just how I'm wired and how I'm made up. Um, I can't turn myself off. I cannot be happy. I cannot not smile. I cannot not speak to people. I have always got to do that. And that's just something that's within me. Um, I really do try to make sure that I'm genuine in all of my approaches. So if I were to be off or to be different, people going to recognize that and question it. So I have to just be on all of the time. Okay. I'm going to push on this a little bit. Keep pushing.
0: Because one of the things that I often struggle with in my own mind is the fact that because I'm a man of color and... Some would say I have somewhat of a platform that uh, I always have to be cognizant of that, and I and I not take that to heart, and I and I totally understand that. But sometimes, if I feel pressure as a as a man of color that if I decide to throw some slang in a presentation, or uh, that I don't decide to wear a suit one day, that that can be detrimental when it shouldn't be, just based on the color of my skin. So. Mm. How would you, I'm I'm just kind of pushing back in regards to that aspect.
1: You're preaching because that's something that um, I can agree with um, because in my role that I play here at CEO, I should wear a shirt and tie every day, but I don't. I dress based off the season. So if it's winter, I'm wearing a sweater, a cardigan. I'm not wearing a suit and tie. If it's the summer, I'm wearing khakis and I'm wearing a polo. If it's the fall, I wear a long sleeve. So I dress based off of the season. So I, I agree with you there. Um, I can't speak slang. I can do it, but it won't come off as well as you because you can play both sides of the fence because you have that um, persona and you have that uh, uniqueness. Um, If I try to speak it, it won't come off right. Like if I try to curse, it doesn't (laughs) sound right. So I can't say something that I'm not used to saying. So that's me personally. You can do that uh, because that's how you can how you can do it. If I were to do it and it has happened, I've been called out on it. And I had a dialogue with one of my staff, and during this dialogue, um, we were talking about vehicles that we drive, and I shared the vehicle I drove, and he said, that's quite pretentious. And I said, that's a big word. What does pretentious (laughs) mean? Help me understand, and he shared it. And I said, wow, and I said, tell me more. And he said, sometimes when I say things, it seems ingenuine based off of what I say. And I said, aha, why do you say that? He says, when you come in our office and you ask how we're doing, you make it seem like it's part of your day. And I said, well, technically it is because I do want to know how you're doing, but it's genuine because I really want to know how you're doing. I know about your siblings. I know about where you live. I know what food you like. And I do that because it's called relationship building. But from that dialogue, I helped him understand that as a black person in this type of role, um, you have to be very cognizant of your surroundings because when you're off, you are they're going to find it. And when someone finds it, they're going to use that to their advantage and that's where you're going to um, harm yourself, for lack of a better term.
0: Always under a
1: microscope. This is true. And I'm okay with that because I'd rather live with an open book than one that's closed because those skeletons that we were talking about earlier, they'll come out to haunt us. Yes?
0: Amen. <laughs> but it also puts a lot of pressure on you it as does. a person to, color to feel like you're always under a mic- microscope and i that's one of the pressures, of especially growing up to in this day and
1: age, mm-hmm. that one of the challenges that young men are going to face is always in our microscope. Absolutely. I agree with you. And that microscope can be so big and it can be so small, but it all depends on your sphere of influence and your span of control, the people that you're around, um, because many people look up to you. And by them looking up to you, Daniel, they see um, all of your hiccups and all of your mistakes. And when I lived in Philadelphia, the preacher said one day that... Um, People can't be at uh, on your corners of happy and your corner of ugly. They're either going to be on all happy or they're going to be on all ugly. But very few people are going to be at that corner where the happy and ugly meet. And when you find people like that, those are the people you keep around because that's where I can turn off. And you've been with me since 2013 or 2011. So, you know, my happy and you know, my ugly. So you can understand when those moments that I am off that you can handle it. So, you know, if I curse you know I'm frustrated so I try not to curse so if my pastor's listening I don't curse on a good day so I really try to um, be cognizant of that and you have to have those people there to support you, support you.
0: Right.
1: I know we got we have to be nearing the uh, our closing time for
0: this podcast um, normally before we close though mm-hmm. uh, is there anything that uh, work wise that you're doing with CEO any upcoming events uh, stuff that's going on
1: um there's a lot that we're doing at ceo um just a lot of moving parts right now we are working on um hygiene kits for our participants so that when they go for their interviews they look their level best we're also working on of uh, a lot several grants to help them with more clothes and different seasonal items um, but anything in particular to what we're doing in the community uh, you'll just see us in a community we have ceo vehicles ceo vest um, but we're just really trying to do good work We offer a a licensed clinical social worker that's here twice weekly to support them in their effort relative to employment counseling. We have pro-social activities where we have people coming here twice a month to help them build confidence, uh, self-interest and help them build the skills. Uh, We also are in a process of writing several grants so that we can further support uh, other community uh, constituents. For example, we wrote a grant so that we can help with the up and coming urban fruits and veggie garden where we it's a hydroponic hydroponics garden right in the center of our city where a CEO will be one of the um, main players and helping uh, maintain that garden and the the farm and all of the other uh, things that's happening so right now we have many things that's going on and I'd rather not say the others because they may not um, come to fruition and I don't want folks to say well you said this so I'd rather not share the rest, but we have several new exciting things happening as we move forward into our 2019 fiscal year. That's wonderful, Gary. I look forward to uh, seeing all the work that
0: you're going to do in the future and the work that you're doing now and Mm -hmm. supporting you in your efforts in any way that I can and our Breaking Barriers team behind you as well. Thank you. uh, Last word for you, something that if you, if a, if there was a young man that was sitting here That was kind of just Discouraged
1: Give me some words What would you say to that young man This entire conversation was impromptu And it was not scripted And you asked me one that I honestly cannot answer um, Because there's so many things I would say um, But if I had to choose something I would say um, I don't want to say something cliche Like you are the future Or something like that So, um, What would I say Honestly, I have no answer. Just That's afraid. scary, right?
0: Not really. I think, I think you uh, dropped quite a few gems throughout our conversation today.
1: Okay, so they can pull one from there?
0: Yeah, I'll let okay. you off the hook this time. Thank down. you. I've never seen you at a loss of words before. Yeah, and I am because I
1: wanted to be something real impactful. I can't think of a word. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> we'll have you back on. Well, I do have one that I'm doing a, 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 a workshop. Our church thing or the last year was moving from participant to passenger. So the participant is the person that stands out, the one that stands and looks around and checks. But a passenger or moving from passenger to participant, the passenger is on the side, the sideline, just trying to help guide the, the driver. But the participant is someone that's actively engaged. So I guess if I had to choose something, we'll be moving from passenger to participant. Don't just talk about something, but actually participate and engage and be a part of it. So I'll steal that from Pastor Jackson and say uh, he coined it. So he's the one that told me, uh, helped me to come up with that.
0: All right, Pastor Jackson, friendship, right?
1: That's right. EJ, four hundred two Clinton, nine forty-five every Sunday. Get it? Can I say that on here? No. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: That's it. Was a plug. It's okay. All right, got it. Uh Gary, I enjoyed this, man. It's been too long. We uh, you need to get me on your calendar for coffee, like Dr. Wilson. I'm a little jealous. We're gonna work that out. We're gonna talk about that after the cast, though. <laughs> uh, just a shout out to uh, Say Yes Buffalo, the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo, and the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable for being our uh, supports in these efforts. Uh, it's a, our time is up, so we will see you guys next week. Uh. Hope everyone enjoys uh, this wonderful Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and future dads and uh, males that actually fulfill the role of a dad. Positive male figures. Uh, If you're a male and you're stepping into the life of a young person, happy Father's Day to you. And we out. Peace.